Thank you. Appreciate that. And boy, God is worthy of praise. Amen. And we ought to praise Him. And uh, that's certainly a great truth. John chapter number 21. And uh, again, I, I appreciate the... Uh, I'm so glad to be back. I, I'm glad that we have the opportunity to go. What a blessing uh, to be in Israel. Certainly appreciate that. Thank you to the church. And uh, for the... Just that was a serious blessing. Matter of fact, this message I'm going to preach this morning is uh, really kind of... Uh, has a lot to do with the fact that, that we were at the Sea of Galilee, John chapter 21. The Bible here says the Sea of Tiberias, and the Sea of Tiberias, the Sea of Galilee, the Sea of Gennesaret, or the Lake of Gennesaret is all the same, okay? Uh, there's many different names, and, uh, but it's all the same place. And uh, it's the world's, just some facts about it, just for your information, ready? Uh, it's the world's lowest freshwater lake. I did not know that, uh, but it actually is one of the lowest freshwater lake. There's only one body of water that's lower, and that's the Dead Sea that flows from the, uh, the lake of uh, Gennesaret or the Sea of Galilee down into the Dead Sea. And uh, it actually is lower. Uh, it's also not a fresh body of water. It is a salt lake, uh, salt sea, whatever. Um, and it's not quite as big. Well, you think, well, the Sea of Galilee, you think, well, it's going to be big then. It's going to be, it's not bigger than the, the Lake Erie. If you've seen Lake Erie, Lake Erie is bigger. Uh, and you say, well, why do they call it a sea? Well, uh, here's what they explained to me. Here's what our Jewish guide explained to me. He said, Israel is not a big country. He said, and so the, the River of Jordan is really not really a big river either, you know. Uh, but he said it was big to them because it's the biggest river in all of Israel. And, uh, and the Sea of Galilee, uh, or Lake Gennesaret, is the largest freshwater body in all of Israel, uh, besides the Dead Sea that has nothing in it. And so uh, to them, it is a sea. He's like, it, we, uh, we're not from Texas, where everything's big. Uh, we're from Israel, where everything's small. And so, uh, so that's just the way it is, and the way they describe it. But we spent several days around the Sea of Galilee, and of course, we read scriptures uh, around the different sites and a lot of the things that took place. Matter of fact, last Sunday morning, uh, we had service on a boat on the Sea of Galilee. Uh, what an incredible experience. And uh, just to, to read and hear preaching and sing song, I couldn't sing last week. It was pretty pitiful. I lost my voice. Uh, and I was sick all week, but, uh, but what, a, what a joy uh, to be there and, and hear, uh, just see the sights and see the areas. And then to be in Peter's hometown of Capernaum. Uh, by the way, our Jewish guide says, he said, he said uh, the other preachers, they say Capernaum. He said, I don't understand why they say Capernaum. There's not an I in it. Uh, and, and you look in Scripture, and sure enough, there's not. It's Capernaum. And uh, that's how I always said it in Spanish anyway, so I probably pronounce it bad in English. But, uh, uh, but, but as you look at it, it is quite an amazing thing to be there. And it was just impactful uh, to see all of that. So I want to bring the message this morning on just being used of God. In, in John chapter number 21 and verse number 1, the Bible says, after these things, what, what things is it talking about? It's talking about the crucifixion, of course, that Jesus Christ had died on the cross of Calvary, and He did such to pay for your sins and for my sins so that we could be born again. He shed His precious blood, and then three days later, He rose from the dead. 
And, uh, and by the way, uh, we've been to the garden tomb and seen it, and it's empty. Amen? Uh, not that you had any doubt. Uh, we, of course, believe Scripture that Jesus rose from the dead, and he did. So after all of those things, after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, after even Jesus has presented himself to the disciples at least two other occasions, that's all the things that it's talking about. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I Go a fishing. And they say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? And they answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. And they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore the disciples, or the, that disciple, excuse me, whom Jesus loved, saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked and did cast himself into the sea. The other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not, too, not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with the fishes. And as soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. And Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye now which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes in hundred and fifty and three. And for all there were, not, there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and die. And none of his disciples durst ask him, Who art thou? knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. Now this is the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples. After that, he was risen from the dead. Let's stop right there. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. God, we thank you for your many blessings. God, we thank you for uh, just the, the fact that we can read Scripture, God, and we can know that, uh, that you came to this world. God, we don't have to travel to Israel. We don't have to travel and see an empty tomb. We don't have to see uh, a cross, God, to know that you were crucified. We read all of that in your word. And God, our faith is firmly pl placed in your word, Father. God, I pray that you would use me this morning. I pray, Father, that you would speak through me as we look at Peter's life. And Father, as, uh, as you ministered to Peter that day, 
on the shores of the, uh, the Sea of Galilee. God, I pray that you would speak to hearts and speak to us this morning, Father, as only you can. And God will be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at this Bible account of what took place in Peter's life. It's quite a phenomenal account, to be honest with you, but uh, we almost have to go back to where it all started. We're right here on the, on the shores of the Galilee or the Sea of Tiberias when all of this takes place, but really all of this started on the seas of Galilee way back in time. Go back with me to Mark chapter number one. Save your spot here in John as we'll be back here, but I want you to see uh, Peter's original decision to follow the Lord Jesus Christ because I want us to be reminded of where he had started from and we find in in Mark chapter number one we see Peter's decision to follow the Lord Jesus Christ I'm just going to read a few verses here Mark chapter number one and verse number 16 the Bible says this now as he walked by the sea of Galilee that's talking about Jesus he saw Simon and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea for they were fishers and Jesus said to them come ye after me and I will make you to become fishers of men and straightway they forsook their nets and followed him and when they had gone a little further thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the ship, mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. We find in this passage not just Peter, but also Andrew and James and John. As they were called, they were, they were uh, originally they were fishermen. And that was how they made their living. They'd go out on that lake every day and they would cast their nets or perhaps at night and they would draw those fish in and that was their livelihood. That's what they did. And I love the wording there in verse number 18 because the Bible says, and straightway they forsook their nets. We're going back to the when Peter was originally called to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, in our minds, we ought to be reminded of the time that Jesus came by our life and, and he said, hey, listen, you need to be saved and you need to be born again. And we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ that he would save us. And we began our journey following the Lord on that day. Peter followed the Lord that day. I want you to notice this. There's a few things that we can notice, but the first thing I want you to notice is that he forsook his nets. You look there, what does the word forsake mean? I looked it up. The dictionary says this, to quit or leave entirely, to desert, to abandon, to depart or withdraw from. In other words, Peter, when he uh, left his nets, he didn't tell his dad, perhaps, that he was fishing with, or, or his uh, partners that he was with, hey, you know what, I'm putting in for my vacation, and I'm going to be gone for a month, just reserve my spot, because I'm going to come back. No, he didn't do that. Peter washed his hands and walked away from the fishing industry. And for three and a half years, we traced Peter's life as he walked with the Lord. 
And he certainly did. He did not go back. And we find that he had forsaken that. And as we look at that, listen, I'm reminded in our lives that God said this in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Jesus says this. He said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Peter forsook those nets. He did not know what he was getting into. Peter didn't say, well, you know, uh, there, there's some things that I need to, to know before I jump into this. No, he just said, hey, I am going to follow God. God had called him and he said, I am going to leave this behind. Hey, listen, there's some things in our life that we've got to leave behind. There's some things that we hang on to, and you know what? It keeps us from getting closer to the Lord. It hinders our life spiritually. Peter could have held on to fishing, and he could have said, well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow you, but, you know, only on the weekends, and then the rest of the week I'm going to come back here and fish because uh, i got to make a living, you know. No, Peter didn't do that. God called him, and he forsook those nets. And he said, hey, I'm going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm reminded in Hebrews chapter number 12 and verse number 1, the Bible says, wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, the Bible says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Listen, it's not sin to be a fisherman. I'm not saying that at all. But Peter had to let some things go out of his life so that he could follow the Lord. Hey, listen, there are some things that we have got to let go of so that we can follow the Lord. I don't know what it is that's holding you back. I don't know what it is that has you, uh, that, that has you adhered to that thing. But we've got to be so careful that we're willing to give up everything to follow the Lord Jesus Christ with our life. We find that my friend Peter, he forsook those nets and he forsook his family. And I love the very next word. And the Bible says, and followed him. And listen, it's one thing to forsake those things. But it's another thing to get in step with the Lord Jesus Christ and to follow and walk in the path of Jesus Christ. Hey, sometimes we get rid of those things and we'll supplement them with other things. And we'll find this and we'll find that and we'll add it to our life and we find out that, hey, uh, we're, we're too busy for the Lord Jesus Christ and that we're not following Him as we ought to because we're, uh, we're not denying ourselves. And Peter said, hey, I'm going to forsake and I'm going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. That I'm going to get in line with the Lord Jesus Christ and I'm going to walk with Him. And listen, we find the account of Peter's life for the next three, uh, three, three and a half years, whatever it was, that he walked with the Lord day in and day out. Hey, listen, Jesus Christ took care of him. I could imagine in the beginning, it was phenomenal. I mean, you think about this, you trace through Peter's life and, and, and you think about the miracles that he saw. And, and you read right there in Mark, matter of fact, the next thing you find out in, in the Gospel of Mark is that a, a demon-possessed man, the demon was cast out of him and Peter's eyes, probably this big. Wow, that was awesome. 
The next thing we find is he goes back to his house and, and Jesus starts healing all these people and they're brought to him. And, and, and I could imagine Peter was just ensued with excitement as he watched everything take place and how God had done this and God had done uh, healed this person and Jesus had healed that person. And, and you think about all of the miracles that had taken place and, and then you think about how they had gotten out on that Sea of Galilee that one night. And Jesus said, hey, you go across. And all of a sudden that storm comes up. And they're scared on that Sea of Galilee. They're thinking, I'm going to die. And then it wasn't so exciting to follow Jesus. Then he's thinking, what have I gotten myself into? Here I am on the Sea of Galilee in the middle of the night and there's a storm. And I'm probably going to die and the Lord's not even on the boat with us. Then he sees Jesus walking on the water. And you could kind of picture and imagine, and of course we know the story that Peter says, Lord, if, that, if it's you, bid me to come unto you and, and imagine the excitement and the, 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 just the energy of Peter stepping out of that boat and walking on the water. You talk about an exciting time. Peter was walking on that water. Until what? Until he started to get his eyes off the Lord. He started thinking about what was actually going on. And he was thinking about the reality of the storm. And he was thinking about how dangerous it was. And he started to look at everything around him. And he started to sink and go down. And, 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 and certainly that was a scary time for Peter. And, and yet God reached down and, and grabbed Peter. And I'd never thought about this before. But uh, Peter and, and Jesus had to have walked the rest of the way to that boat. He walked on the water hand in hand with the Lord all the way back to that boat and got on. You think, man, that's exciting. It was exciting. And there were many exciting times in the life of Peter. And then there were times where things were not so exciting. Matter of fact, there were times when things were hard, like the time when Jesus rebuked Peter. Mark 8.33, the Bible says, And when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of man. Listen, I'm just telling you that Peter's life was full of ups and downs. And Peter, from the moment that he forsook those nets and that he started following the Lord, it was not all just easy paths and, and fun and, and enjoyable things. There were difficult times in Peter's life. There was the times that, uh, that the storms would rage up. There were the times when Jesus would rebuke him and say, listen, you're not doing what is right. There were the times that Jesus would educate him and teach him. And we're not told everything that took place in Jesus and Peter's life. Uh, Matter of fact, I could just imagine them traveling from Capernaum to, uh, down to Jerusalem and it would take four or five days for them to walk all of that distance and all of the lessons that Jesus would give to his disciples as he would walk and talk with them day in and day out. And it was not all easy going. Some things were hard and some things were easy. But, but Peter followed the Lord. Listen, it's not always going to be easy to follow the Lord. God never promised that our road would be smooth and that the, sea, the, the seas would be smooth and there would be uh, no difficulties and no hardships in our life. But we find that Peter's decision was to forsake those nets and to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And he did that. And we see that Jesus promised Peter that he would make him to become a fisher of men. 
And certainly we find that Peter was that. You fast forward all the way to the book of Acts when Peter was preaching and 3,000 souls got saved. He's a fisher of men. You fast forward to the ministry of Peter and how he would preach and people would hear and people would be saved and, and, and you look at the whole scope of it all and you find that, uh, that Peter's life, uh, he certainly became a fisher of men just as God had promised him. But we look at Peter's decision when he said, hey, I'm going to forsake all and follow him. He didn't know what was coming down the road. He didn't know all those good things and those bad things. He just knew that he decided, hey, I am going to follow God. Fast forward with me to John chapter 21 to our text. We find here a low point in Peter's life. Jesus has already died on the cross, been crucified and, and shed his precious blood and rose again from the dead, as he said. And, and listen, you would think, well, that's an exciting time in the life of Peter. After all, the, the Savior is risen from the dead. But in reality, it was a hardship in Peter's life. And we know that by the decisions that he made. And we find that it was a tough place for Peter because things had changed. He was no longer walking with the Lord as he once was and, and, and the ministry was about to change dynamically as the Lord was about to ascend up into heaven and to, to leave Peter and the other disciples and the Holy Spirit was going to come and minister to them. So everything was up in the air and Peter's, Peter's uh, decisions and Peter's life was a little bit hectic at this point and, and he was unsure of what was coming. But he had already seen the Lord two other times. And I don't know if it was out of frustration. I don't know if it was out of discouragement. I don't know if it was out of disappointment. I really can't tell uh, what, what, what it was that caused Peter to do these things that we read about. But I do know this. Look at what he says as we read this in, in verse number 3. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a-fishing. Peter's decision to follow Christ way back when at the Sea of Galilee and here at the Sea of Galilee, perhaps the same point, we don't know, but we do know it was the same sea. Peter says, I go a-fishing. And at the same place that Peter decided, I'm going to follow God, he decided, I'm going back to my old lifestyle. I've already said fishing is not a sin. There's nothing wrong with going fishing. It wasn't that. But for Peter, it was a statement of disowning the Lord. It was like saying, hey, listen, we are way, we've come full circle now. I've watched the miracles. I've watched the crucifixion. I've watched the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've seen it all. I've walked on the water. I've done this and I've done that. And we've come all the way back to the place where I started. And listen, I'm ready to go back to my old life is basically what Peter was saying. And he hit the point in his life where he was, he was making a statement that he would go back to, uh, to his old job and to his old lifestyle after three years of following the Lord. We're talking, he's not, it was not six months, it was not a short time, it was quite some time that Peter had walked with God and here he is, I'm going back to my old lifestyle. It was really a statement of disowning the Lord disowning Christianity perhaps or 
Again, maybe it was made out of discouragement. Maybe it was made out of disappointment. We don't know all of the circumstances that surrounded that or really what Peter was thinking. But we do know this, that it was a very sad statement and a very sad day in the life of Peter. But I want you to notice this as well. Not only was Peter's decision to go back fishing, but I want you to notice that he directed others astray. I was pretty amazed at this. I mean, I've seen it before and I've noticed it before. But look with me in chapter or verse number two there. The Bible says there were together Simon Peter. There's one. We'll count him. Thomas called Didymus. Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee. And the sons of Zebedee. That's two of them. That would be James and John and two other of his disciples. We have five, six, seven of the disciples that are there with Peter. And understand this, there were only 12 of them, and one of them had denied and already hung himself. We're down to 11. Seven of them, the majority, over half, decided with Peter, when Peter said, I go a-fishing, seven disciples, well, counting Peter, six other disciples, said, we're going with you. And you know what's a sad statement about that? Peter had phenomenal leadership skills, but he was leading people in the wrong direction. He hit a low point in his life when he was discouraged. He hit things when things weren't going well, and he made a decision that he himself, hey, I'm going to go back and I'm going fishing. I, I started pondering. I just, I don't know. We will never know who was not there. But I could imagine old Matthew, the tax collector, is like, man, I I'm not going fishing. I was a tax collector before that. I'm not going back. I'm not going fishing. Forget that. Luke, the doctor, perhaps he said, you know, I'm, not, I'm a doctor. I'm not going fishing, man. That's hard work. I've seen those guys. That ain't for me. We don't know what, what disciples it were uh, there, they, that were there that decided to go fishing and which ones were not. But I could foresee a few of them saying, man, that's not for me. You know, I'll go back to tax collecting. I'll go back to doctoring. I'll go back to whatever. But I'm not going to go be a fisherman. But for whatever reason, these other ones, they decided, hey, we're going to follow Peter, and we're going to do what Peter is doing. Hey, listen, we need to be very, very careful because our influence is much bigger than we think. Peter's influence, I don't think Peter realized his influence that he had. I don't think he realized when he, when he made a personal decision in his mind and in his heart to go back fishing, I don't think he realized that there would be six other disciples that would pack up and go with him and say, you know what, we're in. We saw that Andrew, his brother, was called when Peter was called. We saw that the sons of Zebedee, James and John, were also called right there when Peter was called at the Sea of Tiberias. And so four of them were probably already friends and maybe he thought about that but listen the bottom of the line is that when he made that decision he was an influence in the wrong direction to the majority of those disciples we ought to be very careful about the decisions we make in life and how we influence other people and how we can steer people in the wrong direction. Peter directed others to go astray with him. Not only that, but I want you to think of this. Capernaum was not a big town. I don't know if you ever lived in a small town. News travels fast. Could you imagine the day Peter was called, 
that Jesus came by and Peter said, hey, and Jesus said, uh, follow me. And, and Peter forsook those nets and followed the Lord in that small town. Wow, and rumors started to spread. Hey, listen, this Jesus, even right there in Capernaum, how those people were healed. Wow, and that Peter, man, he's ours. He came from our town and he's following the Lord and he's doing, he's walking with the Lord. And it's amazing how they would have talked and they would have been very proud of Peter. And the fact that he was with the Messiah and now here it is. He's saying, I go fishing. Listen, even if he'd have gone to the other side of the sea, it really wasn't that far away. It wouldn't have been long before news would have traveled all the way up to Capernaum. And they just said, that Peter, you know, the guy that was a fisherman that followed the Lord for three years, he's back. It didn't pan out for him. It didn't go well. And how, how poor of an influence and how poor of a testimony that would have been to everyone else. And, and it would have been known to everyone else. He had directed the disciples astray. He would have directed the rest of his town even astray. And those who would have looked at him and said, man, he's, he's just not serving uh, the Lord and he's not walking with the Lord and he's no longer with the Lord. I love this verse. Look with me at the end of verse number 3. The Bible says, And that night they caught nothing. Peter's decision to go fishing was a dead end. Listen, you go, you go back to your formal life. As a Christian, it's a dead end. You can't do it. You'll have no joy in that. You'll have no peace in that. You'll go back and you will spin your wheels and you'll find out, man, this ain't worth it and, and I'm not getting anything and things aren't going well and Peter had caught nothing and, and listen, he had labored and he had worked to try and uh, to, to get the, uh, the fish, but there was nothing and he, he squandered the entire night fishing and caught nothing. I'm reminded of the verse in Haggai, Verses, uh, chapter 1 and verse number 6. And the Bible says, Ye have sown much and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put, a, put it into a bag with holes. Verse 9 says, Ye looked for much, and lo, it came up. It came to little, and when ye brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is waste, and ye run every man unto his own house. Hey, listen, if you neglect the Lord, hey, listen, you might make big money, but you know what? You'll squander it and lose it just as fast as you make it. You'll say it's not enough. You won't be happy. Peter went out and he said, I'm going back to fishing. Man, I was happy in that life. Things went well for me in that life. And he spent the entire night fishing only to come up with nothing and find out it was a dead end. And he was not content when he was following the Lord. He was sad his needs taken care of and everything was supplied for him. And he was walking with God. And now he's gone back to fishing and he's led all these people astray. And they've come up absolutely empty. Listen, once you've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, there is no going back. You can try it, but I'm telling you, it's going to come up empty. And you're going to say, man, I was better off in church. I was better off serving the Lord. 
I was better off walking with the Lord. I was better off doing the things that I was doing instead of uh, the things that are going on. And we find that Peter said uh, that Peter fished all night and there was nothing. He came up empty. But I want you to notice this. Not only Peter's decision to follow the Lord and Peter's decision to go a fishing. And I love this in verse number four. We see Jesus' great love. Look with me in verse number four. But when the morning was now come. Aren't you glad for the morning? The Sea of Galilee, I didn't make it. I was sick. I, I didn't make not one sunrise. The Sea of Galilee, isn't that sad? I'm the, I'm the morning kind of guy. I usually get up, but man, I... There's the time change and the sickness and all of that. I didn't see one. I saw a picture of one, and my wife got to see one, but I didn't see one. And, and, and there's something about that darkness and that sun that comes up and just gives you that glimmer of hope, like, hey, there is something that's there. I love the phrase there, but then when the, but when the morning was now come, look at Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Hey, listen, you look at all of Peter's life, and he forsook his nets, and he followed Jesus. But then he decided, I go a fishing. I'm done with all this. We don't know why. We don't know all the reasoning behind it. But I'm glad this, that after Peter had fished all night and come up empty, who should be standing on the shore but Jesus Christ? Looking for Peter. Oh, he knew where Peter was. You notice the disciples didn't know who he was, but he knew exactly where his sheep were. And there's Jesus, the great shepherd, and he finds his sheep that are out on that sea. And listen, he tells them, look at verse number uh, 5, And Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? He already knew they had nothing. He already knew they came up empty. But look at what they said. And they answered him, No. Just one word. They were, they were frustrated. They had spent, they didn't have words. They said, No. Verse number 6, And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. And they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitudes of fishes. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, that would be John, saith unto Peter, it is the Lord. Oh, don't you love how Jesus corrects his sheep? Oh, he didn't have to... He didn't have to rebuke them. He didn't have to uh, tell them that they were wrong. You know what he did? He went back to the beginning. And he said, hey, fellas, why don't you cast your net on the right side of the boat? They threw those nets out, and their minds went instantly back to, I believe it's Luke. Uh, I think I jotted down. I, I went back and reread it, and I think it's the Gospel of Luke, where they had, uh, they had toiled, the Bible says, all night long fishing and caught nothing. And Jesus said to them, cast your nets out. And the Bible says, nevertheless, at thy word, we will cast out thy net, our nets. And they did. And the Bible said that they could not even draw the nets in, for they break. And Jesus, just with that mindset, says, hey, you haven't caught anything? Cast your nets out on the right side of the boat. He knew they would remember that time. 
he knew that they would go back and say, this is the Lord. And sure enough, John immediately recognizes, hey, that is the Lord. And Peter immediately knew, oh man, this is the Lord. Uh, and listen, he knew that God was correcting him. Aren't you, isn't it amazing how God will correct us? And sometimes by just a blessing that we don't deserve, and we're saying, man, God is so good to us. And we don't deserve it. And we want to be so much closer to him. And Peter immediately, the Bible says, as, as, uh, as he recognizes and realizes it's the Lord, he says, man, he realizes that he's wrong for going back to fishing. I could imagine Peter immediately smote in his heart because he had gone back. I can imagine Peter thinking, man, what am I doing? I've led all these disciples astray and we're wrong. We're going the wrong direction. And then lastly, you notice this, that the Bible says he, he was naked. So he girt about him his coat and, and threw himself into the sea. And, and he realized, man, my whole life is not right. So he grabbed his coat he wasn't waiting to row that boat to shore. He wasn't even going to get on a little boat. He immediately threw himself into the sea and started swimming. He was making tracks back to the Lord. The Lord had called him out and corrected him. But I love this. Look with me in verse number 12. Jesus saith unto them, Come and die. Isn't God so good to us? We fail Him. We mess up. We go astray. We're like, I'm done with this and I'm going back just like Peter was going back and just like Peter had led others astray. And here's God saying, listen, come and dine, my child. I want to feed you. I want to help you. I want to bring you back. And God is so good to Peter, inviting him to come and dine. The great shepherd knows the needs of his flock, and he feeds the disciples and says, hey, I want you to come back. Not only that, I want you to notice, look with me, and we won't read it for sake of time, but look with me in verse number 15. Uh, of course, the questions that God asks him, but at the very end of it, he saith unto him, feed my lambs. Of course, in verse 16, he asks him, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And at the end of the verse, he saith unto him, feed my sheep. Again, in 17, he asks him, do you love me? And he says in verse 17 at the end, uh, Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. And listen, he's telling him, hey, listen, Peter, I've got a job for you. I got a responsibility for you. Yes, you've gone the wrong way. Yes, you've led others in the wrong direction. Yes, you've messed up in your life. We recognize that. We see that. But I still find that you are useful to the Lord. And I want to use you. And he says, feed my sheep. Look with me, the last one in verse number 19. This spake he signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, follow me. Isn't it amazing? He started out way back in the beginning. Follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. Peter followed the Lord for those three and a half years. Oh, he wasn't perfect. God rebuked him. Remember, he sank into the sea. Remember at the, the crucifixion, he denied him three times. 
We find here he goes back and tries to go back to his old life and, and it doesn't work out for him. It's a failure and it's a flop and, and he's not able to do that. And, and we find that Jesus comes back to Capernaum, comes back to the Sea of Galilee. And he says, I see my disciples out there on the sea. I see that they're trying their old life, but it's not working out for them. And he calls out to them, have you any meat? No, they respond, and he says, throw your nets on the other side. And they're instantly aware, oh, this is Jesus. This is our Master. This is our Messiah. Look at what he says, feed my sheep. He has something, come and dine. He invites them, come. Come back to me, and I'm happy to take you in. I'm happy to feed you. I'm happy to restore your life. I'm happy to bring you back into the fold. And then I have something that I want you to do. Feed my sheep. And then lastly, he says, follow me. Isn't God so good to us? Give us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. We fail him. We mess up. And he says, come and dine. Feed my sheep. Follow me. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and your life is not right. You know it. God knows it. You're not going in the right direction. You say, well, I'm not, I'm not for sure how to go back, get back. You just open your heart to God. Because he's crying out, come and die. I want to forgive you. I want to restore you. I want to bring you back into the fold. I want to get you busy serving the Lord again like you, want, like you can. God is such a gracious God to use us as imperfect people. I'm thankful for that. God, I pray that you would speak to hearts as only you can. God, I pray that you'd help us. God, we're such a wandering sheep. I pray, Father, that you'd help us to be obedient sheep, to follow you, to serve you in whatever capacity it is that you would have us to serve you. And that, God, we would follow you in our lives. Oh God, it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be a simple path. But God, we know that we're following the great shepherd, the greatest God of all eternity. God, thank you for your great compassion, your love for us, and your desire to use us. God, I pray that you'd speak to hearts as only you can. Father, we'll thank you for that. We'll give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and the piano begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. Maybe you just want to thank God. That he's given you time and time again to serve him that he's continues to say, come and die. That he continues to say, follow me. Maybe something's not right and 
you've been discouraged and you've been down and you've gotten off the path and you've thought to yourself, I'm going to go back to where I used to be. Like Peter did. Listen, God knows it. Why not ask him to help you, to strengthen you, to get back on your feet, to follow him, to walk with him. As the piano plays, the altar's open. These have come. There's time, there's room. We're not in a hurry. Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. All the folly of sin I resign. Forsake that stuff. Follow the Lord. Just like Peter did. Oh, not perfectly. No, we're, we're not perfect either. his times, his moments. We'll have our times, we'll have our moments, but oh, how we need to strive to follow him. Forsake all. Follow the Lord.